This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. We're going to be talking about a book entitled What We Lost. Emphasis on we. The attack on Canada's largest children's charity. You know we, and you know the scandals that have surrounded we and the politicians and all the sorts of things. And and basically it ended we. We, we is no, no more. So this book... Uh, was written by Tofik Rengwala, who um, used to be on the board with We. He is a lawyer. He stepped down from the board in order in order to write this book. It's got some heavy hitters. Uh, Martin Luther King III will be voicing the audiobook and has commented on it. Um, former Canadian Prime Minister Kim Campbell wrote the foreword to this book. And I guess the basic premise is, hey, we don't know the whole story around We. And... You know, losing that charity makes a big, big difference to a lot of people, and it was done unfairly. So let's get into it. We're going to chat with Tofik Rengwala, who is the author of What We Lost, The Attack on Canada's Largest Children's Charity. Uh, Tofik, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I guess let's just start there, right? We don't know. We, we, we don't know what we lost, and we don't know why we lost it, and we don't know the whole story surrounding we, right? That's exactly right. Um, what this book is, is an invitation to look behind the curtain of the We Charity scandal, because as you pointed out in your intro, We Charity was decimated in Canada because of the scandal and closed down. Yet most Canadians, I've discovered, don't actually know what really happened, but most importantly, what was lost and whether it was worth it. They know lots of questions were raised, but they don't know the answers. Uh, and so this is my uh, effort to clear through, cut through the fog and provide answers. When we take a look at the WE situation and what happened, I think there's probably two that stand out. Of course, it was the government and the deal that the government set up with them and ultimately caused all kinds of problems, the finance minister, all the rest. Um, the other one was some of the things that happened around schools uh, overseas. Now, that wasn't necessarily Canadian-linked, but um, those two scandals, are, am I right in thinking those were the primary focus in what brought an end to WE? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think that's fair. I think it was really the first scandal, uh, you know, in many ways that you point to with the political issues and the allegations of cronyism that uh, really caused we to, to close down uh, and no longer be able to function in Canada. And I think the second portion you uh, mentioned about some of the international commentary yeah. about we's work, that that in some ways is really an extension of the political scandal in Canada and people deciding that. Um, they're going to look at every aspect of we. And as I pointed out of the book, I think come to some pretty unfair and unfounded conclusions um, that, that aren't supported by the facts. So let's get into it here. When we take a look at what happened with the political scandal and the cronyism and all the rest, um, was we, I think your contention is they were made the scapegoat. Politicians sort of threw them under the bus to save themselves, right? Yeah, that is, that is my, my contention. And I try to explain so the Canadians can understand why that happened and why it why it makes sense or at least you know some rational explanation for what occurred and i think and i think the real truth is that opposition parties wanted to bring down the trudeau government uh they wanted to allege cronyism and they felt like to do that effectively they had to make we charity look like a bad actor because it wasn't going to be enough to say well 
you didn't recuse yourself, but you improperly gave money to, you know, some extremely worthy cause that we all believe in. That's not really the makings of a scandal. To develop a scandal and have it stick, you have to make We Charity the bad actor. And that's really what they did. And, you know, the tragedy is that in doing that, no one really focused on the underlying beneficiaries of We. All the children and students in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, across Canada and around the world who were benefiting from this charity. No one talked to them or talked about them. And that really was the part for me and the most shocking part of the story. And I think you're right. I mean, obviously, there was good work being done by the charity. But are you saying there was no wrongdoing? The charity was um, uh, beyond reproach. There was nothing to be critical of the charity. This was all done outside them. Or, or did they shoulder some of the blame here for the way things went? Well, I, I think... Uh, I don't think the charity is beyond reproach, and I do think the sh- charity shoulders some of the blame in terms of how they defended themselves, how they how the charity presented itself, um, what its strategy was to combat misinformation, and I think you could find fault there. What you can't do is point to any evidence that the charity actually did anything wrong in terms of breaking a law, violating a rule, misusing funds, doing, doing anything inappropriate. On mm. the contrary... The- incredibly clear, Shay, that We Charity has been totally exonerated. An independent ethics commissioner uh, inquiry found that no one tipped the scales in, in favor of We Charity, and We Charity didn't improperly approach anyone or ask anyone to tip the scales. So all of the allegations of cronyism have been completely debunked. I mean, there's no, it's, it's just clear as day, the facts are the facts, but the politicians in, in the media never seem to really want to present that conclusion. They just want to talk about the questions as though that's enough. Getting texts we're talking about, yeah, but we was linked to the Liberal Party. That's what happened here when you're linked to a party. Uh, is that fair? I mean, we've had a lot of different politicians. You've got the former Prime Minister, Kim Campbell, who was not a Liberal, writing the foreword. I mean, we have this perception, I think, that they're not an arm of the Liberal government, but certainly closely linked to the Liberal government. Yeah, you know, it's a great question, and that's actually one of the central myths that I address in this book. Um, I, I think there is a perception, and it was certainly one was created, that they have some special relationship with the Liberal Party. But if you look closely at the history of We Charity, it was very much politically agnostic. It had relationships with all political parties. And so I actually talk about in the book first-time information that many people have never seen or heard about emails between We Charity and Aaron O'Toole, for example, in which... He's praising the charity's work, asking the Kilbergers to uh, help with mental health initiatives, trying to get his own daughter to attend We Day. Uh, I show correspondence with Peter McKay, for example, and his wife, who was a very important ambassador for women's rights and speaking, you know, at We events. And, you know, I talk about events that were whole, uh, held, you know, hosted by Stephen Harper's wife at 24 Sussex Drive. So, um, and that's just a couple of, you know, poignant sure. examples. Yeah. There of NDP and conservative politicians who have deep ties to this charity because it was doing good work. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. 
This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Um, you mentioned the Kielbergers. Uh, I think they've got a bit of a reputation in this country, too. Is that unfair? I mean, or, you know, what are your thoughts on, on the way they handled all of this and the way they conducted themselves? And is that, were they part of the downfall of the charity, or again, is it unfair? Yeah, I think that the Kielbergers have been a force for good in Canadian society. That, that is my view of them, and I am I'm very open about the fact that I've known them a long time, including since they were young, and, and see them that way. Um, I do think that there are aspects of the way that they've run We Charity that has made them fodder for criticism. You know, they they have approached charity um, with a bit of a zeal that's like a Silicon Valley startup. And that's what made them very successful as, you know, Canadians who are trying to build a movement around the world. And they believed in charity. They believed in fusing it with social entrepreneurship. Um, and, And I think when that was all going well, they were celebrated. But they are easily the kind of people who are misunderstood. And personally, I would tell you they're a bit hard to relate to because of the way they go about, you know, their pursuit of charity and business. And so as a result, it's pretty easy, I think, to quickly turn on something like that. I talk in the book about how when you're different, um, you know, it's easy to pick on difference when, when, when you're getting, you know, down or when you're perceived of as flying too close to the sun. And a lot of people talk about something in Canada called tall poppy syndrome, which is, you know, a little bit of a tendency for Canadian society to feel that there must be something up uh, or something untoward when people are doing better than expected and to try to bring them down a notch. And I think all of those different forces were at play in the way Canadian society seemed to turn on the Kilbergers. Um, the, the one issue we, we talked about briefly earlier, and that's the schools in Africa, and that was started by a journalist in the United States saying that he was involved in raising money for one of those schools, only to find out down the road that the school that he'd raised money for had been repurposed and used again to raise money. But, correct me if I'm wrong, it was proven down the fact that he had missed the boat on this. He had his information wrong, right? And that wasn't actually what happened. Although, I'm getting a bunch of texts about repurposing schools and renaming schools and reusing them. Um, it was proven that that's not the case, correct? Uh, it, that that is true. It, it was not the case, and I think we're 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 mixing a couple issues. So I want to make sure I'm clear. One is there was a lot of accusations about donor money and being pledged to the same schools, and I yeah. spend a lot of time, and I think people should read it. Two whole chapters on just that topic, including reporting by the CBC, and I, I think what you'll find is it is just plain wrong and not factually accurate, and really kind of disturbing, but. What's really interesting is the guy you just mentioned, his name is Reed Cowan, and, and, and he, went to, he went to Parliament, and he's a, a journalist from the U.S., and he testified that you know, a plaque dedicated to his son was moved. And it was a heartbreaking story. By the way, he, he's right about the fact that a plaque that was voluntarily gifted to his son 15 years ago was inadvertently moved. And he got an explanation and an apology for that, but that wasn't enough. He wanted to Parliament and testified that maybe it was a symptom of a greater problem. What I can tell you is that that greater problem doesn't exist. And what I can also tell you is the most shocking thing you will read in the book is that same journalist went on to try and extort the charity for $20 million. And 
it's a really disturbing, shocking story that was covered in the Washington Post. Uh, it's covered in the U.S. Um, and it's, it's just unbelievable how someone could try and extort and bankrupt a children's charity like that. But no one in the Canadian media ever covered that story to this day. And I think that's a really shocking thing. And I think people, when they read that story in the book, will, will scratch their heads quite a bit. Bottom line, we was not, like you say, not beyond reproach. They did some things wrong, but the book sort of lays out how um, they weren't as bad as a lot of people think they were, and they actually did a lot of good work. Does that sum it up accurately for people interested in reading about this further? No, I, I, th- I think I'd go a little further and okay. say um, that they've been, the We Charity has been completely exonerated, and I think there's no evidence that they did anything wrong. I think if you have some criticism to make of We Charity, it's that, you know, its style and its way of doing things might have, you know, allowed some people in the media to, to, to poke at them in a way that maybe some other charities wouldn't have suffered through. But I, I think the record is pretty clear that We Charity is um, unjustified collateral damage, and that the real victims are thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of teachers and children in 7,000 schools in our country who won't have access to mental health programming or bullying resources because of a political fight. Uh, last one, uh, you are a former board member of We Charity. Um, were they at all involved in, in financing this book, in making this book happen? Or is We Charity involved in this book at all, or was this something you took upon yourself? This is something I took upon myself. Every uh, word is uh, my own. I wrote it with the consent of the uh, board of We Charity um, because I wanted to make sure that no one had an issue with me me writing something like this. Um, And I wrote it with the cooperation of the charity. And by that, I mean um, I had access to anything I wanted. I said, I'm only going to write this book if I know that the charity uh, is willing to uh, be completely open and give me any piece of information I want. And I, and I got that. But, but otherwise, absolutely, it was not financed by the charity, and um, it, it's entirely my own. Okay. Uh, Tafik, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's an interesting discussion. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. That is Tafik Rangwala, who is the author of What We Lost, The Attack on Canada's Largest Children's Charity. And, you know, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning of the interview and at the end of the interview, he, he is definitely, or was, connected to the We Charity. He was on the board. Um, but he has stepped down from that board in order to write this book.